Welcome to Learned Lag, a podcast about yesterday's Learned League questions and answers. I'm George. And I'm Amanda. George and I are both in Zephyr A. This is season 31 for George and season 27 for me. This is day 18 of season 99. The first question is the Gen X right down the middle. <laughs> yes. It asks us for a type of printer used in the 70s and 80s in home and personal computing, but is now largely obsolete. Right. And importantly, notes it created characters by striking an ink ribbon with pins. And that is a dot matrix printer, if I ever heard one. And I heard many because they were loud. <laughs> um, they, they made kind of a screeching sound as they... Uh, the styluses or whatever would go across the page and then they'd scroll up to the next line and go across again and across and across. It's a very distinctive sound and appearance to the characters that it creates, uh, being that they're all kind of composed of a bunch of little dots. And uh, yeah, this, this one I could not know any harder than I did, so I put down dot matrix. Yep. Ditto. <laughs> this was... Just as as I was reading through it, I was like, this sounds like a dot matrix. This is definitely a dot matrix. This is probably, a, oh, yeah, they just described a dot matrix printer. Yes. Uh, this is a thing that I guess if you're, I don't know, maybe 40 and over, you're absolutely going to know cold. Probably, yeah. Yeah. So yet, yet another one where kind of wish you could uh, put your age on the, <laughs> the biography, as so many people would, and this would have been so much easier to score. <laughs> So, True, indeed. So I also said dot matrix. And that was, of course, the correct answer. Question two asks us for the name of an anatomical object that comes from the classical Greek for raise or lift. Uh, I thought vein, I thought artery, then I thought capillary. Hmm. I thought, oh, okay, yeah, because that's capillary action is liquid rising. You know, because of a uh, a very small uh, vessel for it to go through. It's how trees get nutrients up up them. It's how true, various true. Uh, various things are in physics and biology and technology work. Mm -hmm. So I thought maybe that, that this must be it. Capillary it's for raising or lifting. Yeah, so I took kind of a different approach to this one um, because if we're talking about Raising or lifting the blood, we're thinking about things in the circulatory system, uh, like you said. And so I thought about all the different terms that I knew in that system. And a lot of them, like the fact that this one comes from classical Greek, I thought was kind of uh, interesting in the sense that when I think of things like veins and... Um, ventricles and atria and you know the different parts of you know the jugular vein or the vena cava or all these things sound very latin inflected to me except for the aorta mm. because that ao vowel combination seems greek to me like the like if you think about chaos the the word that you know or you know if you're a certain sort of philosopher the cows um <laughs> but you know, that I thought that's the one that sounded most like Greek of the things that I could think of in the circulatory system. I even thought of like the heart itself is like the cardium and mm -hmm. that I think is much more Latin as well. Definitely sounds more Latin, yeah. Um and, and even the pulmonary, you know, kinds of things like um I thought a of all those things, 
uh, not only does that sound the most Greek, but also it's that huge artery that's responsible for distributing a lot of blood outwards, upwards from the heart through the body. So I, I thought all of that considered that aorta would seem to be the, the likeliest answer. And that was correct. And it was also updated later in the day, uh, such that artery is being accepted. Yes. A friend of ours who's studied uh, Latin especially, but also some Greek and classical um, languages put that down hmm. uh, and then was able to document. I, I don't think he was the one who lodged the appeal, but I, I believe someone lodged an appeal so that mm -hmm. it would be recognized because it is apparently the same sure. uh, Greek root for artery and aorta. Makes sense. Because the, the arteries are the ones that take blood. But no, the arteries are the ones that push it out, right? Yes. Okay. Kind of odd that it goes with a raise or a lift. I would think that, that to me, I would think more that's the veins that are doing that. Because oh. most of your body is below your heart. So the veins do more raising of blood oh, I see than do arteries. Mean. I guess so. Although, um, yeah, I mean, you could kind of view it from either perspective in a certain way. But because if you're going outwards from the heart, that seems more maybe like an hmm. upwards lift. I don't know. I didn't name them, <laughs> so I don't have to justify it. Fair. <laughs> Question three asks us for either of the names of two industrialists who share last names with men who would become beneficiaries of Section 2 of the 25th Amendment to the U.S. Constitution. Yeah, so this one was definitely my gestalt answer of the day um i thought well who what are the kinds of names that i would think of who would be five american industrialists prominent enough to merit you know an episode of a history channel series <laughs> Fair. um and so that had me thinking of carnegie and mellon and rockefeller and then i kind of stopped there because i figured what what i need this to do is kind of um you know, cross-reference with names like that that are also in politics. Um, and the first one to come to mind was Rockefeller. And I'll tell you what, I don't actually know what Section 2 of the 25th Amendment specifies, but I thought that sounded kind of like, you know, kind of that Watergate era or something where something like that, that... Um, uh, important, I guess, would be invoked in some way. Mm -hmm. And I thought, you know, Rockefeller is the one that I can think of that was involved in that level of politics um, and obviously was in American industry very prominently as well. So that's what I put down. The 25th Amendment was enacted after uh, Roosevelt died very early in his fourth term. Ah, right. Uh, and... Uh, the it wasn't the first time, but the country kind of looked around and realized, hey, we don't have a vice president anymore now that Truman is the president. Right. And he's going to be the president for a long time, and he could die. Mm. Uh, you know, this is the 1940s. People die. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, you know, maybe we should do something about that. Um, and... You know, get it's it's always been oh well you know the speaker will be next or the president pro tem the senate will be next 
but maybe it would be better if we just had another vice president. Mm. So they enacted the 25th. Um, and actually, I think I think it was actually a little later. It, it was passed when Truman uh, was president, but it was kind of that same uh, era. Might have even been after Kennedy was shot. But anyway, uh, the decision was made, okay, we got to figure out a way to get a new vice president. They enacted the 25th Amendment. It has four parts. The first one is... When the president dies or is removed from office, the vice president is the president. That had actually been a question for like 150 years since the first president to die, William Henry Harrison, uh, died. And for a little while, everybody was like, okay, well, is Tyler the acting president? Is he the kind of president? Is he still the vice president? <laughs> and it, it was just kind of, everybody sort of agreed, okay, he'll be the president. We just want to have a vice president. And that was fine for 150 years. And then eventually America said, uh, that's dumb. Let's just make it absolutely codified. He's the president. And then section two is, how do we get a new vice president? There have only been two applications of the 25th Amendment. They happened within a couple of years of each other because mm. Agnew resigned and Ford became the vice president oh, yeah. under the 25th Amendment. Ford became the president. Nelson Rockefeller became the vice president under the 25th Amendment. That's the last time that's happened. Right. The other two have to do with the president being uh, unable to carry out <laughs> the, uh, the office, whether temporarily or permanently, and who gets to decide that. Gotcha. So as soon as I saw 25th Amendment, I said, oh, this is about uh, Rockefeller. And the second one took me like a minute to figure out because, uh, largely because Nelson Rockefeller is, of course, a direct descendant of John D. Rockefeller. Mm -hmm. So that part was easy. And it, it kind of took me a second to realize, oh, we're not talking about somebody who was related to one of those industrialists. It was just Gerald Ford. Oh, sure. Who was not, who you know, became vice president because of the 25th Amendment, but had no relation to Henry Ford. Got it. So that, that took me a second, but, mm -hmm, uh, but I mm -hmm. figured it out. So I, I just went with Rockefeller because that was the first one that came into my mind, even though I knew it was Rockefeller and Ford. And those were indeed the correct answers. Question four is my favorite question of the day. <laughs> and it asks, uh, what record-setting event took place at uh, with, uh, with the University of Nebraska defeating the University of Nebraska at Omaha in what sport? Uh, last week, I got Napier's Bones because you had read me the article. <laughs> this yes. week, you get this one because I read you an article on one of our walks. That's right. Several weeks ago when this, or months ago even, when like right when this happened, mm -hmm. all about how the University of Nebraska's women's volleyball team mm -hmm. arranged this massive attendance. Right. Um, and in point of fact... It is not the world record for the largest ever attendance at a women's sporting event. There was an early uh, exhibition match at a World Cup, a men's World Cup. Oh, okay. Uh, that they had a women's competition and put like 100,000 people in the stands for it. Um, that was like back in the 70s, I think. Wow. Uh, I, I could be totally off on that one, but that one, that one has been uh, kind of uh, remembered as people you know, hailed this uh, thing they thought was a record in, okay. in Nebraska. But yes, it was volleyball, and I told mm -hmm. you about it. You certainly did. Um, but, you know, I cemented it by buying you a T-shirt for our anniversary yes. 
that is red and white and it says Nebraska, the center of the volleyball universe. Yep. Um, cause it, it definitely was a story that it was fairly lengthy. So there are lots of mm-hmm. little details to kind of absorb about it, or at least to help you kind of hang on to the general gist of it, which is that women's volleyball is just huge. And the university of Nebraska which it notes in the question has won the NCAA championship five times Mm -hmm. is completely dominant Mm -hmm. in the sport. And so, you know, to draw attention to women's sports in general, they did this event. And then uh, there's a uh, store that does very sort of extremely online meme worthy (laughs) t-shirts called Ray gun. And they have, I think I have an outpost in Chicago. I don't know where else, uh, maybe one or two others. Um, but they're all like Midwest, Big Ten sports kind of themed. Yeah. Um, sometimes like pro football and stuff too. But um, uh, and so I saw that T-shirt and I thought, oh, this will commemorate this conversation we had too, because <laughs> um, that is it, it. It really was kind of exemplary of our marriage generally <laughs> um, is to discuss weird, you know, quirky. Isn't that weird? It's unusual and um, impressive mm-hmm. um, and, and other uh, distinctive, you know, goings on in the world. Yep. Um, and so, so yeah, we really sealed this one. And I definitely knew this was volleyball. Uh, as soon as we got to the University of Nebraska, it broke the unofficial world record. <laughs> it's <laughs> like, oh, this is about that volleyball thing. Yep. I was very excited, especially at a sports question, to know it cold. Yeah. Uh, not even halfway through the actual text of the question. Yep. So I put volleyball too. And that was correct. Sure was. Question five asks us for a crown colony in which the bank HSBC got its start. Yeah, so this one, I just, I didn't feel like I had a good grasp on. Um, I kind of went with, you know, the C at the end. I thought maybe that stands for Canada. Because I kind of figured at that time in history if you're going to start a bank that is really influential in britain then kind of doesn't it need to be geographically relatively near britain I, you know i considered whether it would be india or australia or you know other places but they seem so far flung that you know i thought about singapore i'm like but who wants to keep all of their money and assets on the other side of the planet you know, which I guess, you know, Canada is pretty, pretty far from Britain as well, but it's probably Parts the closest mm-hmm. um, of any of what I would consider likely to be crown colonies. I don't I don't actually know if it was at the time because that seems like it may have a specific definition that may or may not be met. Anyway, I put down Canada because I just thought it fits with the C. I, I don't know what the letters stand for. So let's go with that. HS Bank of Canada. Something like that. Sure. Yeah. Uh, m- I went the other direction, literally. I started at the beginning of it and figured it's the H-something, something bank, oh. corporation or something. Okay. Uh, and figured Hong Kong. Oh. Uh, and I just, I kind of thought, okay, 1865, that kind of makes sense. Crown Colony, that just kind of sounds like Hong Kong. Like, it just mm-hmm. sort of, mm-hmm. I, I feel like that's how I've always heard it referred to historically. Um and the fact that it says at the time a crown colony tells me mm-hmm. that you know since then it separated like 
more than, say, Canada or Australia did, because Canada and Australia are still part of the Commonwealth. The king Charles is still the king of Canada. He's still the king of Australia. I don't think he's the king of Hong Kong anymore. I believe it is completely Chinese at this point. That's understandable, although I wouldn't call Canada a colony. No, either. I just, I feel like so. making that, <coughs> excuse me, making that distinction just kind of tells me it's, you know, completely not a, not a crown, not a colony, nothing, rather than like, you know, saying in what used to be a crown colony, but, you know, is somehow less so nowadays, rather than just not at all. Like okay. the, the, the separation of Hong Kong from the United Kingdom was much more a thing than it was for Canada or Australia, which are technically still, you know, part of that kingdom, if not the UK specifically. Sure. Um, so that just, and, and then kind of to cement it, I was thinking of the HSBC iconography, uh, which I feel like has some kind of vaguely Asian overtones to it. Okay. Um, I can't think of what it is specifically because I'm thinking of a lion, but that's also that's very that's also a very British monarch generally. Quite. Um, but I, I feel like there's something else in uh, the 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 kind of coat of arms, the shield that they use, that's <laughs> somewhat Asian, and that I used to see a lot when I was stationed in Europe. Like ah. I, I saw it a bunch more than I ever have here in the states, uh, from from on various billboards and ads and the like. So I, I was fairly confident when I said Hong Kong. Well, well done. That was the correct answer. <laughs> Finally, question six asks us for a word in that is shared in the title of three different novels, one by Faulkner, one by Kipling, and one by Jill Santopolo. It's blank in August, the blank that failed, and the blank we lost. Mm. And my first thought in all of those was war. Mm. Then I thought, eh, war in August, that makes sense. Uh, the war we lost, maybe. The war that failed, that, that doesn't mm. work. That doesn't work for me. Um, so I figured, okay, not war, love. Mm. Love in August, the love that failed, the love we lost. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay, yeah. I'll go with that. I didn't know any of these. Um, I felt like, I, I really thought that I would be able to think of the Faulkner one specifically. Mm. And just, it never came and... Love in August just kind of planted itself in my brain as like, okay, yeah, that's it. <laughs> um, so that was that was all I could come up with was love. Yeah, so this one, uh, the only title I have heard of before is the one by Faulkner. And I I think it is due to there being a copy of this novel floating around my parents' house sure. for so many decades. Sure. I never read it, um, but... I knew that Light in August was um, the title of it. And truly, I, you know, that is absolutely the only thing that set it down in memory is just I, I saw it so many times in my parents' house when I would be perusing the bookshelves and, you know, looking at these books that looked fairly unfathomable, unfathomable to me as a kid, you know, that all the different things that had gone through different waves of popularity, I guess. And for whatever reason, they had copies of them. I would never have guessed this was so early as 1932. Um, but, you know, other than that, I was 
uh, fairly certain that this was light in August and then the light that failed and the light we lost. I mean, sure, why not? Yeah, There's sure. a lot of words that could fit in there. I think, you know, love is perfectly cromulent as a, a choice in mm. those two, not knowing anything about them either. So, um, but I did know the Faulkner one, so I put down light. And that was correct. Well done. Yeah. Thank you. So I had four on the day. Mm. And I was kind of annoyed because none of them I was like, I'm not really sure about this. Like I was, <laughs> I was pretty well in there on all of them, and yeah, got four. Yeah, I I got five, and I, I did feel the same about that, uh, um, bank one. But I, you know, very flimsy sort of justification to go on there. I probably have heard of HSBC being, you know, tied to Hong Kong in some way, but not, you know not enough to make anything out of it. So uh, I had an argument I had for Singapore for that matter, because there's an S right there. Um, so yeah, I guess we'll see how I do. I um, I think I at least got a couple that played against my weaknesses because game sport is still pretty low. So getting the volley one, volleyball one is always good. Yep. An American history one is good. Um, and my business and econ kind of thing is kind of middling, so hopefully I won't uh, give up too much on that. I, I think the uh, literature one might be harder to to reach for folks, too, because, you know, again, only heard of the one, and I don't think it was perhaps Faulkner's most prominent no, work either. Not. So um, here's hoping I can get, get something out of it. Here's hoping. Well, that's it for today. Tune in tomorrow for more post-game analysis. Follow us on Blue Sky at Learned Lag, now with all the vowels. And remember... Don't forfeit. Don't cheat. <laughs>